We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Welcome back to a, another edition of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And today's show is going to be a solo show. So we've had a couple interviews these last couple weeks, mostly focused on health. Talked about uh, last week's show, talked about gut health with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. Um, just a fantastic show. If you haven't heard that, go back and check it out. He has an incredible, incredible podcast um, that I listen to every single week called The Modern Medicine Movement. So check that out. And, you know, I'm happy to be back doing a, doing a solo show. I uh, am getting or I'm, I'm over COVID. I, I had COVID last week. So it's good to be back in the swing of things. And uh, my experience with COVID was uh, not like anything I really expected or uh, or thought it would be like um, the way it went down is uh, my wife got it first, then my then my daughter did, and then and then I got it. Um, so it kind of makes me wonder, really, how how contagious is it that I didn't get it right away from my wife? I think I actually ended up getting it, uh, catching it from from my daughter. Uh, it it barely barely affected my daughter at all. Um, She's had much worse colds this year and different viruses that uh, that she's had bad coughs from and things like that. Um, of course, the reason for that is, you know, these kids were insulated from, uh, you know, having social interactions and, and swapping germs for a good part of two years and uh, having to wear masks. So once they get back into... You know, going to school and not wearing a mask. Um, of course, you know more and more kids are, are gonna gonna get sick, and yeah, it's been yeah fairly a normal year for, for my daughter with that getting sick. But but COVID was was, was nothing for her. It was one day of a very mild fever, and that was it. That was that was basically it. My wife got hit a little bit harder, um, but she recovered pretty quickly. And then when I got it, um, it was weird, like. I didn't have a fever for at first. I just, I, I noticed that my back was just killing me, like excruciating lower back pain that I've only really had like one other time in my life um, when I was, uh, when I was in college and um, I hurt my back trying to carry or carrying a, a keg up uh, two flights of stairs. And uh, the next day I, I couldn't, couldn't get out of bed uh, for, for about the next three or four days. That was the last time my back hurt that bad, and it was so weird. Just like no back pain ever in my life. A pretty, you know, pretty healthy back, and uh, bam! All of a sudden, terrible back pain, and then a headache, and then I did. I, I developed like a slight fever, barely recorded a fever a couple times, and I was just tired. And uh, the the worst part about having at least COVID for me was. Being tired and not being able to sleep. 
So that was uh, that was annoying more than anything else. Just being super tired, laying there at night, and <clears throat> for whatever reason, which I never ever have problems sleeping. I, I sleep incredibly well. Um, just could not fall asleep. So it was it, it was annoying more than anything else. But recovered now. You know, of course, uh, I, I definitely think the supplements I take, and I do take a lot of supplements. Uh, definitely, definitely played a role into it. You know, especially the multivitamin and the immune booster I taste, take, and I take two probiotics, and I doubled up on vitamin D, vitamin K2, zinc, Qcertin. I doubled up on all of those, and I also added in, you know, the mectin and the hydroxy uh, hydroxy C. And you know, it didn't hurt. I don't think. I don't know if it helped. You know, I'm just one person, but didn't hurt and I never got a cough or congestion or anything like that. So if you have COVID, you might want to try a similar routine. This is not medical advice. Um, it's just my experience. So it's good to be back. It'd be good to be good to be back podcasting. Um, I did keep track a little bit of the Libertarian National Convention this past weekend. I was happy to see the, the Mises Caucus take control of the Libertarian Party. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I am a supporter of the Mises Caucus. I've been a financial supporter. And also, uh, you know, I've attended local conventions, uh, the, uh, the Pennsylvania Libertarian Convention, um, in support of the Mises Caucus. So I'm happy they have control. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to see what happens. And I will be having Michael Heiss on the show to talk about a lot of different things. Um, that's going to be coming up in the next two weeks here. So excited to uh, to get Michael on the show. I don't I don't think I've had him on my show before. I'm trying to think back, and I don't think I have. So excited to uh, give him his first Finding Freedom treatment, and uh, we'll ask him some good questions, and we'll get some good stuff out of Michael. So definitely tune in for that. And you know, for this show, really what I wanted to do, it's going to be a limited time today. Um, it is hot as crap in the room that I'm recording in. Um, our AC is broken, uh, sort of broken. It works for like an hour and then it shuts off and then I can't get it to work again. So I need to get that fixed. It's been like in the 90s today here, here in Pittsburgh. So hot as crap in this room, recording this now. I got to record another podcast the Boring Pod with uh, myself, Brian, and Rico. That's later tonight. So this one's going to be a little on the shorter side, but um, I promise my next week's episode and uh, you know the following couple episodes that I've lined up are just going to be fantastic. So uh, yeah, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait till then. So a couple stories I wanted to talk about. Some some interesting things in the news that I don't really think a lot of other people. Are talking about. I saw this. Uh, I remember hearing about uh, this story probably a couple of years ago. There was a uh, ex college football player, Virginia Tech football player, who got himself into the situation, uh, met someone on Tinder who he thought was a woman, um, ended up, you know, having a sexual act with this uh, individual. And then when he went back later, at another point in time to, I guess, to confront this person or to, you know, find out if, make sure that they, they were a, a woman. Um, he goes back and turns out this individual 
well, it was a man posing as a woman. And the uh, the football player, the ex-football player, obviously uh, very upset. And he beats the crap out of this guy and, and ends up killing him. So the uh, individual who was posing as a woman who died, uh, Jerry Smith, and then the football player, uh, tough name to say, is a meman atoot. Um, he got acquitted today of of the uh, of the murder. So really, I mean, obviously a tragedy that that had happened. But you know, when you're committing fraud in very intimate situations like that, sexual intercourse, performing a sexual act on someone, and you're lying to them about a crucial element of that uh, interaction being your gender. Um, I, I think it's the, it's the right decision, and it's not it's not even close. So happy to see that that he was acquitted on uh, on the charges here. Really unfortunate that that someone lost their life, but it would have been even worse, way worse, if you had someone lose their life and then someone essentially lose their life and, and end up going to prison for for murder. Um, you know, it's it's an unfortunate situation, but I was glad to see. Uh, that this guy, um, you know, w- w- was acquitted by the jury. So another interesting story I, I want to talk about, and it actually reminded me of a of a Netflix documentary I, I, I saw recently. So there is a sperm a sperm donor who I guess was was not donating sperm in the traditional sperm bank sense was meeting a lesbian woman uh, through Facebook and was donating his sperm to them. And they were signing um, agreements, you know, after the exchange was made that he would not, you know, seek parental rights or anything of that kind. And what ends up happening, so this guy fathered 15 children. Uh, His name is James McDougall. And this is over in uh, in the UK where this happened, and he ends up going and applying for parental rights and uh, for for parental responsibility and child arrangement orders for four of these children, even though he had originally signed those agreements. And uh, of course, the mothers of these children very much opposed to this. You know, they thought uh, you know this was something that would not come back into their life. Um, you know, the, the, the father of the children, they thought that this was not going to be an issue. And what the, uh, the, the judge in this case, um, named or named McDougal to stop other women from using him as a sperm donor and ruled that he should not have any responsibility for the children as it would cause them harm, which, I mean, I, I think that makes sense, you know, um, we have to have contracts in this, uh, you know, well, this isn't the United States, but we have to have, you know, contract law in, in this world. And if you're going to make a transaction like that, when you're giving someone your your sperm and the ability to create a human being out of that sperm, and you, at the time you're doing that, um, you're entering a contract saying, I am not going to, um, you know, pursue any parental rights or involvement in this kid's life. And then to go change your mind on that, <clears throat> that's that's not going to fly. That's that's something that uh, 
that just does not fly. But the the twist part on this whole case is this guy actually he carries a genetic IQ disease, which makes his children um, the, the, that he fathered makes them more likely to inherit a condition that causes learning disabilities. And he did not disclose this to the women. So, I mean, this, this enters in a whole nother uh, scenario. So is it, is, does he have to disclose that? Um, how likely is it that he's going to pass this on to the children? Um, re- really a fascinating, fascinating case. And from my point of view, I think, you know, really it's up to the women to sort of screen for that, if, if, if that makes sense. I, I think that's something that's, that's possible. Um, how is this guy supposed to know that he has that trait? I'm pretty sure that he didn't know that he had that trait. Oh, wait a minute. All right. Hold on a second. See, this is why, yeah, this is why you read the full article. So down in the article ways. Um, so McDougal, he, the reason he went with private sperm donations was because he knew he couldn't go through a clinic with his condition. So he knew about the condition. Okay, this guy's a scumbag. I take back what I said. Um, he should be held accountable for his actions here. So, and, and I guess the, the name of this is Fragile X Syndrome. So this guy definitely exploited these women. And uh, it's just, yeah, it, wow. Uh, it's even worse than that, of course, because you're, you're then also impacting a child's life um, with, with this as well. So unfortunate, unfortunate um, situation all around. Hey, taking a quick break here to tell you about a podcast you should check out from our friend, Justin Campbell. It's called the Fact Check This Podcast. If you're fed up with fact checkers flagging everything as misinformation without actually backing it up, then you should definitely join Justin every Monday and Wednesday to fact check the fact checkers and to get the truth about what's going on in the world. Check it out everywhere podcasts are found. Fact check this. But what this reminded me of, I don't know if you guys have seen um, the Netflix, they don't call it a documentary or do they? I I don't think they did. It's, it's a movie. Um, It's called our father and what it's based on. So this is back in the 1970s and 1980s. Of course, the, the, what the documentary is, is interviewing um, people in, in modern day. Um, and this looks back on a fertility specialist in Indiana named Dr. Donald Klein. And what Klein did, now this is really, really screwed up. He inseminated dozens, dozens of women. Um, with his own sperm. And he told these women that he was getting sperm um, from the hospital across the street and saying there was actually sperm from medical students. But he was using his own sperm. And the way that they found out about this, and when they get into the stories of all these different um, 
children th- that he fathered, um, yes, some of them were, 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 you know, women who maybe their husband, you know, had had issues with their sperm. Um, some of them were just, you know, husbands and wives who were, who were coming to him trying to conceive using the husband's sperm. And he would throw away the husband's sperm and use his own sperm without telling any of the parties involved. And I think the last, yeah, he is not. So they've uncovered 94 biological children from this guy. This documentary is absolutely bonkers. I highly recommend uh, checking it out. It's uh, crazy and oddly entertaining. But of course, you know, with a lot of things with the law and with our justice system, um, you know, all these years later, they weren't able to prosecute him on really the fraud that he committed, or, I mean, you could really, you could really claim that he's, he's raped these women. You know, he's, he's going back when, when these, when these women are, you know, in the, in the, in the room waiting for him to come in to do the insemination, thinking they're getting, you know, uh, sperm from a sperm donor, a, a medical student or from their husband. And he's back in the back room jerking off, bringing his own sperm out and inseminating them with that, which I, I mean, I think there's a case that that's, that's rape. Um, for sure, it's it's definitely it's definitely a violation of uh, of individual rights. That's for sure. But the way they found out about this is one of the uh, one of the siblings, one of the children, uh, Dr. Klein's ninety four children. Um, you know, she did a uh, a twenty three me search or whatever to to find out if she had any brothers or sisters, because she was one that, you know, her parents told her that, um, you know, her, her father wasn't able to, uh, provide the sperm. And, uh, so the mother said that it it was provided from a, a medical student or whatever. So she thought maybe it's possible she had other siblings because what they had told her mother at the time was they only use one donor's sperm like three or four times. So there's a chance that they're you know, telling the mother, there's a chance that your daughter could have three or four, you know, other half siblings out there. And when she goes into 23andMe and uh, puts her information and all that stuff, and 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 they run the uh, run the DNA, and it comes back she has seven half siblings. And then you know she reaches out to them, they start talking, and they figure out this connection to Dr. Klein was all of their mother's doctor and that's where it just snowballs from there and they start digging and they find more and more and more siblings and by the end of it it, or as i guess as of now the writing of this article i'm reading here they're up to 94 siblings which is absolutely absolutely bananas and you know they they go in in the documentary um into a religious angle of it um dr klein seems to have had this warped view that uh, he was, um, you know, somehow doing God's work by impregnating these women with his, uh, with his sperm, just really a messed up situation. But in another part of it is this Klein, um, when he was younger, he had, he hit and killed a girl with his car and that's what got him into religion and just a, it's just a wacky, wack, crazy story. And it's amazing that, uh, that stuff in this world happens. And I remember it's not in this article, 
But I remember um, during the movie, they do talk about there being like something like four or five other fertility specialists that have done similar things to this. So people are, people are crazy, man. People are absolutely crazy. So I only got a couple minutes left in the show today. And, you know, one thing I wanted to, to talk about. So, you know, two shows ago um, when I had on Texas Slim and we we're talking about the beef initiative and trading Bitcoin for beef and getting ranchers used to, you know, transacting in Bitcoin. And we talked a little bit about um, this, uh, you know, the, the HODL mentality of the Bitcoin community and the necessity in order for Bitcoin to, you know, grow and take hold and for people to become comfortable with it, um, we need to start using it. So, I mean, the way, the way that I look at it, you know, people want to hold their Bitcoin, um, but if you're going to go out and you're going to buy beef anyway, if you're going to go and, and go to the grocery store and, and buy meat, why not take that same money you would spend in the grocery store and start pushing that money into the beef, beef initiative, utilizing Bitcoin and exposing more people, ranchers, um, to Bitcoin. And I found an interesting article in, uh, in Reason talking about, you know, who was actually using cryptocurrency, not who was just, you know, acquiring it and setting it in a wallet. And the interesting thing is it's the, you know, those who don't have a lot of money. It's, uh, it's, it's poor people. You know, it's people who can't open bank accounts uh, it's, it's people who n- need to find creative ways to, uh, to make transactions. That is how Bitcoin should be used. And eventually, you know, it, it's going to start making more sense to people that you're not going to get B- Bitcoin to where it needs to be from a trust standpoint, um, from a, a standpoint of, you know, people just being comfortable um, transacting in it. Until you start using it. So I really want to encourage people, like I talked about before, check out the Beef Initiative and uh, you know, buy some beef with Bitcoin. Shake your rancher's hand, as Texas Slim says, and uh, start using your Bitcoin. I'm going to make a commitment um, to do it myself within the next uh, couple weeks here. And I will keep you posted on how it goes and the whole experience and uh, the, the quality of the beef and, and all that good stuff. I'm excited to do that. So, um, like I said, shorter episode today um, because of the heat, because of um, having other commitments I got to get to. Uh, but, you know, uh, before I go, I, I do want to say one more thing. And um, of course, you, you've, I'm sure, you know, listening to this show, you've noticed that I've shifted in the past few weeks and I've had more focus on health and wellness and, and things of that nature. Um, I'm going to continue down that road w- with sh- more shows on health, but I want to do, you know, some shows on entrepreneurship. Um, you know, I, I want to do some 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 shows on innovation. I want to do some shows on um, people who are really risking, making big risks to um, re- really change the world. And I think it's important to, you know, surround ourselves with people and, and with ideas that stretch out and, uh, you know, really 
take us out of our comfort zone um, if we are to be motivated by these individuals to pursue um, similar um, similar goals. So I'm going to, you know, be accountable here today to say that I want to start to do some of those things and interview some of those people um, that are going to maybe take me out of my out of my comfort zone. And I think that is so important in the world that we are in today, where the economy, I'm not going to say it's going to come crashing down, but I think it's pretty fair to uh, estimate that we will have a pretty bad recession um, here in the next um, 12 to uh, 24 months. If not, we're, we're actually probably already in it. That the time to make risks, the time to take risks and to seize opportunities is now. And the only way that you're going to find the opportunities is to be out there looking for them and to not be afraid to jump in um, when the opportunity is there. So uh, I want to make finding freedom more about action, be it small actions of you know, your own physical health, things you can do to improve, or small actions to transact in Bitcoin, or big actions invest in uh, investing in different things, or starting a business, taking that leap of faith. So I want this to be more of a practical show where you can really uh, learn some things and take some things away that you can apply to your daily life. So that's all I got for today. Uh, I thank you for tuning in. And uh, I'll be back next week with an interview, um, likely with Michael Heiss, but it might be with uh, a different individual. But uh, tune in next week. And always remember to keep your head up and the fire's liberty burning. <laughs>